I see into the afterlife and I see the entourage that's waiting to bring them across. For anybody who has lost a loved one, I want to reassure them nobody ever, ever dies alone. Always, always, we are met by loved ones past, by somebody significant that was so significant in your life. We are met by our guides that have been overlighting us since we incarnated. We are met by angels of transition. Hello and welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louisa, your host. Thank you so much for joining me today. Our guest today is Mariel Ford Clark. Where do our loved ones go after they die? Mariel Ford Clark asserts that whether you believe in God or heaven, you can be comforted by the sense that an afterlife exists beyond the realm of one's physical comprehension. Drawing on the findings of patients who have had near-death experiences and visions and scientists and doctors, Mariel helps chart the journey of the soul and navigate grief. Mariel is the author of Where After? Where do our lo loved ones go after they die? This is her story and this is her passion. Mariel, welcome to Passion Harvest. Well, Louisa, it's my pleasure and greetings from Ireland. And it's a blessing to be in the presence of you and your listeners. Thank you. Oh, I'm so honoured you're here. Let's dive in. Gosh, just such a wealth of information. Let's start with a big one. What happens when we die? Oh, well, okay. What happens when we die? When we're on Earth, Louisa, we have what is called a silver cord. This silver cord is our lifeline to our spirit body on the other side. And the umbilical, it's like I always say to people, it's like the umbilical cord that is attached to the baby in the mother's womb. And when the baby is in mother's womb, it gets all the nourishment, it gets all the nutrients that it needs to survive and to grow. So the silver cord, not everyone hears about it, the silver cord is our lifeline to our physical body that keeps us connected to our spirit body on the other side. That's our higher self, our soul self, our I am presence, our God self. It can be whatever resonates for the person. So at physical death, when it is our time, when it is our time to exit, be it young, be it middle-aged, be it old, and that's where our sacred contract comes in, which maybe we'll have time to discuss later. But when it is our time to cross over and make that transition, it is the silver cord that disengages. And that silver cord, when that disengages, that means it's a point of no return, that our life here on Earth is complete. And the difference with the silver cord and near-death experiences is sometimes not sometimes, when we actually have a death experience, our soul wanders, it leaves our physical body. That's why I even when for my death experience, I was able to look down and see them. I was hovering over the bed and looking at them frantically, trying to resuscitate me, trying to bring me back. 
And that is one of the huge common denominators with people who have near-death experiences. And as some of your interviewees uh, would validate, you sit, you rise from your body, it, but it's your soul that rises. We are physical beings having a, we are spiritual beings having a human experience here on earth. So when, when we decide on incarnating, coming onto earth, we get a body. So it's the soul that enters the body. And, and that soul re lives in us while we're here on earth. And then when it is time for us to make that transition, depending on the sacred contract we have signed with our guides before we incarnated, then we leave the body. And that is when death happens. But the difference between the near-death experience and the point of no return is with the near-death experience, our soul wanders in into the spirit world, into the heavens. And that is where we meet loved ones past. That is where we might meet an angel. That's where some have walked with Jesus. That is where we meet somebody significant. And that we are sometimes we are shown what our life purpose is meant to be. Sometimes we are told it is not your time. Like I was told, it's time to go back. And like all of us that re-enter the body, when the soul re-enters, it's not our time. We have been sent back for a purpose or a reason. And that's when the soul re-enters the body. And I felt mine, it was like a big polar sensation and a thud back into the body. The soul re-entered into my body. It re-enters everybody's body that has the new death experience that survives it. So when we are, when we actually die, and this is the whole thing, Louisa, it is the physical body that dies. It is not us. It is the soul of who we are that lives on, the immortality of our soul. And this is the big thing. There is a scientific name even for for the fear of death. It's called tenatophobia. It is the scientific name for people who fear death. So many, many people fear dying. And Dying is if we could demystify the fear of dying and bring it in like in Eastern world, they have birth, death and rebirth. They, they, they believe so much in the afterlife. They believe that the soul is that immortal part of us, that eternal part of us that lives on and on and on in the heavens until we decide, you know, we want to remain on the other side. But when we when we actually die, there is there is a the outward journey, and I I as a spiritual, I'm a spiritual midwife as well, and I sit on the I sit with people who are about to make their transition. Now that sitting could be it can be hours, it can be days, it sometimes even can be weeks. The soul, who is the essence of who we truly truly are, that decides when to go. It's like a baby coming into the world. The baby could be due on the 10th of June. The baby mightn't decide to come until the 21st of June. Or the baby might decide to come in the end of May. The soul decides it's coming and it also decides it's going. So it is so important for us to realize this is a body. is It's just a vehicle. And without the soul, our bodies are empty vessels. 
So when we die, when we go through the transitioning period, it is the soul that leaves the body and it's the physical body that's placed into the earth or placed for cremation. So it is. there is many different aspects to dying. And then, you know, if we die suddenly, um, there is very, there's different phases for, for people that are ill, terminally ill, or people that are ill with some kind of, bless them with some kind of dis-ease, I always call it dis-ease, and that their life's journey is ending and drawing to a close. Well, there is different, they are, especially what I witness as a spirit midwife, you know, I see people and they are, it's the journey with them. And they are in and out of consciousness a lot of the time. And they will just rise up in bed. The amount of times I have seen people rise up in bed and they will say, oh, is that you, Mary? Or is that you, Johnny? I'm not ready yet. You know, I don't want to go yet. And it's just incredible. And the peace that the family feels. But I also see, uh, it's like, for me, I see it's like a curtain opening. And I see into the afterlife. And I see the entourage that's waiting to bring them across. And while I am speaking now, I'm being reminded to say, for anybody who has lost a loved one, even in particular in the last two to three years, in the world that was very chaotic. I want to reassure them nobody ever, ever dies alone. Even if they were physically alone, they never die alone. Always, always, we are met by loved ones past, by somebody significant that was so significant in your life. We are met by our guides that have been overlighting us since we incarnated. We are met by angels of transition like Gabriel and Azrael, you know, so nobody dies alone. And the person that is what people think died alone, they have seen where they're going. They have been escorted through the veil into the afterlife. So I just want to reassure people, I think for some reason my heart is pounding. It's so important to say it. Nobody has died alone. And I have seen that. I have seen what others haven't seen. I've been blessed. I see the, the this veil parting. And I see who's coming to take them home. And it is such a sacred blessing. And the same thing happens with young children when they are. And one of my friends, um, she had a beautiful little girl. She still has, as I said, we're all we all gravitate to the spirit world. But she had a beautiful girl called Lu Lucy. And Lucy at nine was diagnosed with um a very rare form of, of leukemia. And she had bone marrow transplant. And, and that was very, very successful. And then at uh, 12 years of age, all of a sudden, Lucy becomes unwell. And her mom, who was my friend, had said, look, it doesn't look good. You know, we're talking about weeks here. So I was with them insofar as I could, but I was blessed on the three days leading up to her transitioning into the next life. And her mother was devastated, of course. And um, I was in that room when Lucy, after in a deep, deep coma, just wakens up and she is 
so elated and so excited and she reaches out and she grabs mommy's hand and she says, oh, mommy, mommy, I cannot wait to go to heaven to be with Peter. And the mom looks and she said, what are you saying? Peter is here, she said. And Peter wants me to tell you, you are not to be sad for me, that he's going to take special care of me and you are not to be sad anymore. But the irony of the story, and, and Lucy lay back in her bed and within hours she had made her transition. But the moral of the story there is, Louisa, is my friend had never ever told Lucy that she had a brother, Peter, because Peter had died three years before she was born. And here he was going to take her to the other side. So you can imagine the elation and the joy. So that was like another another miracle for her to help her with her grieving, that there is a life. Peter did make a transition to the other side and Lucy was going to be with them on the other side. So there is many stories about what happens when we die, you know, and then when we do, and then another thing, um, Louisa, is people that die suddenly then through, say, drowning, through tsunamis through earthquakes it's important to say that the soul and with suicides as well i'm being reminded to say that when somebody transitions suddenly the soul leaves the body at that point of impact so that the physical body doesn't feel the pain or the trauma of what is actually happening in the physical body the soul has left so that person that maybe in bless them in the tsunami or in the earthquake or in the fire or after ending life through suicide, the soul has already left. They haven't felt the impact of the trauma. I'm talking in terms of humanness here and not in non-physical terms. Yes. But So once we transition and we meet our loved ones and, as you said, spirit guides and angels, yes. transitory angels, then what? Yes. And I know there's no time then, on the other side, but I'm just yeah. trying to help the audience understand what might may happen to them or for their loved ones that have transitioned. Okay. What happens after that? So then what I have been shown, and it is a common enough thing, you know, if if the death, if the death hasn't been um sudden, if the death there is different scenarios, uh, as has been shown to me by the spirit, if the death has been sudden. And, and very sudden, like bless anyone who transitions through suicide or somebody, as I said earlier, with earthquakes, tsunamis or disasters, violence, murder, you name it. So those people that transition, you know, in a kind of a, a traumatic way, those souls are nurtured onto the other side. And this is what has been shown to me. And this is what I've been told. They are brought into a place of spiritual rest. And they are allowed rest there until such time they have enough healing received by God, by the angels. And then they are gradually awakened to the reality of their death. Then, then they are shown their life review. And I have seen my life reviewed through out-of-body experiences. And it's like, you know, it's like a screen. And you see... You can see all your your transgressions, your wrongdoings, the things you could have done better. So when we when we transition to the afterlife, 
after we die, we are shown our review, our life review. And there we are shown, we're shown all the deeds we have done. <clears throat> Excuse me. Good deeds, bad deeds. All the things we could have done differently. The opportunities we missed. But most of all, we are shown every thought, every word. I mean, it's scary when you think every word has a consequence. Every action has a consequence. And it, it has made me more discerning of how I use my words, not alone with others, but also with myself. And every, every, everything has a consequence. Everything has a vibration. Frequency words, our words carry frequency and they carry a vibration. So it's important that we use our words with love, with positivity, and with, you know, serious affirmation in goodness, in bringing goodness. And it is, you know, we are shown what we have done on the screen, our review of our life, but it's shown very quickly. It's not like we're going to sit down and watch a movie. It's shown like in, in flashes, but we're receiving it telepathically and we can see the errors of our way. Now, when we are shown this life review, we are shown where we could have made a bigger difference in a person's life because our actions, if they have consequences and serious consequences on another person, then we, we on a spiritual level, want to redress that in another lifetime. So that's why we decide then, oh God, I, I didn't really mean to do that. So I need to come back and fix it. So that's why we have reincarnation. That's why we have, uh, as the fellow says, we have a right to reply, to come back, to finish the unfinished business that we had with others. And that is why so many people reincarnate time and time again within the same family, because there is so much unfinished business. And the soul lessons, the soul lessons, be it to find a loving relationship, maybe to show forgiveness, maybe it is to sh uh, show compassion, to be less greedy, to be less, um, you know, narcissistic or dominant or powerful. It is, these sometimes can be the lessons, soul lessons that we need. Like in one life, we can be a pauper. In another life, we can be a prince. It depends on what we need to learn and what the soul needs to grow more soulfully towards source, towards God. You spoke about spirit guides. What, in your opinion, what are spirit guides and what, what, what purpose do they serve? All of us, Louisa, we have spirit guides and we have angels that come in with us. And in particular, a guardian angel will always come in in all your lifetimes. The same guardian angel comes in time and time again as we incarnate into same soul but different body okay so and as we advance you know like it's like going from kindergarten to to um second to secondary school and then on to university it is as we grow we are assigned a different angel for that purpose it might be an angel for progress it might be an angel for healing it might be an angel for love it might be an angel for education there are different angels, but also there are spirit guides. But spirit guides are predominantly people who have uh, walked the earth and have been in the human body. Spirit guides are people who know 
what it is like to have the human experience with emotions, with rejection, with sadness, with love, with loss, with you name it. So they are in a position to help us. Wow. For those of the audience that, well, two questions here. How can we connect more with our spirit guides and angels and how can we ask for assistance? It's through a quite whitening of the mind. If we're listening to television and the conversations going on in your sitting room, you know, nobody is listening to anybody. So every, all the information is just thrown up into the air and it's scrunkled. When I need to communicate, I find that sacred place. I have two or three sacred places throughout my home. And I sit in silence. I will light a candle. I will play gentle music in the background with no words. And there I open myself, my heart, up to spirit. And I will ask, what is it that I need to know from you today? What is the message? And I will always validate the message three times. That's important to me. And for people that are on, say, new to meditation or to wanting to connect with their angels and guides, it is, you know, it is as simply as being willing, the power of your intention, the intent of wanting to connect with uh, the higher power. And that is, I would say, 90% being able and willing to offer yourself, I need, if there's somebody there, let me know, kind of, you know. And it is sometimes, there are beautiful meditations as well out there, beautiful ones. And if you just play those in the background where you are guided on the journey, that is the beginning and it can open up many, many doorways of opportunities and the doorway to the inner sanctum of our own souls and knowing who we are and being able to have a belief in something, wow, more beautiful and better than what we are experiencing right now. So that's what I would say, just, you know, the power of intention. If it's if you're new to it, just there are lots and lots of meditations. They are guided vision meditations that will bring you on the journey and, and help you to create that open space and help you connect. And it is very, very powerful and very, very beautiful. And it's funnily enough, many years ago when I was studying with Diana Cooper, an amazing lady in England who works with angels and guides and ascension. And uh, when we were doing the meditation on connecting with your angel or your guide, and we were asked, we were asking through our own meditation process, to, if you could download the name could you download the name of who you are when we were in this deep meditative state? And I'll always remember receiving a name and I said, gosh, don't even know how to spell that, right? And then after the meditation, I remember, bless Diana, beautiful soul, she said, um, write down the name if you got one, you know, and don't worry if you didn't get the name. So I wrote down the name Azrael, A-Z-R-A-E-L. And I went, okay. And it was only when she asked me, I said I got the name Azrael. Little did I realize, but it was Azrael works with Angel Gabriel. Now, Gabriel is also the angel of birth, but he also assists um, transitioning souls. 
but Ezreal is the angel of death or the angel that helps people's souls to transition. And here I am all these years later working with the transitioning souls. So I know Archangel Ezreal is with me also during these times. So interesting. And would it be similar advice for those that have lost loved ones to connect with them in the afterlife? Do you know what, Louisa? There is so many, many ways to connect with your loved ones. And even to be connecting with them as they are making the transition is huge. And the grief that we feel because we when, when we lose a loved one is, is horrendous. It is so painful to the human experience and within the human experience. But there is... And I have witnessed so much after ADC is the called after death communication. And, and this, dare I say, goes back after death communication goes back thousands of years as well. The American Indians always believed in the, in the, the breath being carried out into the winds and into the four corners of, of the north, the southeast and the west and, and being lived on among the ancestral lines. But it is so important that we know that after death communication is possible. And sometimes during, you say, if I'm working with somebody after this, their loved one has transitioned, it will, I'll be asking them to sit and, and just bring an image of their loved one into their mind. They can hold a photograph. They can wrap themselves in a jumper or a cardigan or a sweater that was belonging to their loved one and, and feel the essence or even the smell. And a lot of the time they can, but it's it's like you have to, sometimes you have to teach them how to do it. Other times it happens very spontaneously. And other ways of after death communication, apart from meditation, you can have dreams, you can have visitations. Visual, now they're both very different. You can have a dream of, saying, oh, my God, I dreamt of my father last night, but I'm, I'm not not sure what that was. But I, I know I had a dream about him. The difference, that's the dream where you're not fully aware of the transition that happened or the the, the drama or the, the film that was being portrayed to you. But in a visitation, the visitation is something very, very powerful and very, very real. The visitation is something that you don't forget. You can remember your father, your brother, your mother, your wife, your husband, your son, your daughter. You can, your grandparents, they come. When they come in a visitation, it is to let you know that they have arrived okay or that they are trying to connect with you. And the best way to connect between the heavens and the earth is always during your dream or sleep state because that's when the ego moves out of the way. Our ego is dreadful for stopping us from reaching the pinnacle of that spiritual unity between heaven and earth. The ego is always the logical part that will say, no, no, you're daft, you're raving here. You know, that can't happen. Whereas when we're during our dream and sleep state, the ego is resting. And then the spirit world can enter. There is a balance. They meet halfway. The energies from the heavens meet, come down halfway, and the energy of the earth rises. And it is that's where the union 
of souls meet between the heaven and the earth. And the visitation is beautiful. And I've had many, many with my father and many with my brother. And the visitation is always where you vividly, you remember every, every detail. You know the sat on the bed. You know they spoke to you. You know the words. You know what they were wearing. You you see them in this incredible light. The whole room is lit up. Or there is a part of the room that they're just there. And that is loved ones trying to come and reassure those that are still on this earth plane. You know, I am still with you. I am I am here. I'm overlighting you. I am with you during times of trouble. I am trying to help heal your grief, but I am here, you know. So it is there is incredible, <clears throat> excuse me, after after death communication. But the only way it sometimes it can be blocked as well, Louisa, is if somebody is very, very grief stricken and traumatized with grief then the person that has made their transition to the other side if the if you're so traumatized with grief then the essence of the soul cannot reach the person so that is why sometimes they might use a different medium it could be like say um say your sister or your brother or friend said oh i was dreaming about your husband last night and he wanted me to tell you this that I'm okay, I'm, I know your birthday is coming up, or I know it was our anniversary last week, you know, they will use a different medium for that communication to be imparted to the other person who is too traumatized with grief for the message to enter them. Is there a way to ease grief? Grief is very individual, Louisa. It's, it's, uh, grief is multifaceted. No two people. No two people will ever, ever experience grief the same as another. It is like our, it's like our divine blueprint. No two divine blueprints are the same. <clears throat> it's like our fingerprint. No two fingerprints are the same. No two irises of the human eye are the same. So grief is so personal and so individual. And I always say to people, it is your time. It, it is time, I know in Ireland we say time is a great healer, but time is infinite as well and time can go on and on. And it is what happens I find when I'm working with clients is eventually, eventually they will find a place for a level of acceptance of the grief. And... What I also find, Louisa, is sometimes people will hold on to the grief for far too long, for years possibly, because they're afraid if they let go of the grief that they will let go of the person they'll forget. But what I try and instill in them is love. The love you shared is eternal. That love will never, ever die between both of you. And even if you are to find a new love again, that that love, it will never compare to each love will be different. So if you, you say if you lose a partner or husband or wife and you remarry or you get involved in another relationship, the love you shared with that other person is sacred. 
and no two loves will be the same either. So it is, you know, and when the people, when our loved ones are on the other side, they want us, they want us to have love. They, they, they don't want us to be wallowing in self-pity. They don't want us to be grieving our hearts out morning, noon and night. They want us to feel the love that they are now experiencing on the other side. Because where they are, there is no pain. There is no sadness. There is pure, omnipresent love and light. And they are, when they try to communicate with us, it's to bring us some kind of comfort that there is, there is a, a beautiful paradise or a nanda or whatever we like to call it or refer to it. And that that's on the other side and that's where they are residing. Also, when loved ones transition, Louisa, it's important to say, sometimes we, those that are mourning dreadfully, those that are grief stricken dreadfully is because there is unresolved business or there is a guilt I had a desperate row with him that morning or I had a desperate row with her and if I had only known that was the last time I was going to see them I'd never have said what I did so we we paralyze ourselves with fear and with guilt over what could have been and the same thing happens for those who have lost a person or a loved one through suicide we always traumatize ourselves with guilt if only I had seen the signs, if only I knew that was the last time I'd see them, if I only I had realized that there was something wrong or I should have, I should have, could have, would have. So we paralyze ourselves with guilt. But I am being reassured by our guides, my guides, that, you know, guilt, there is a lot of this pain is unrealistic guilt. And we need to, my role in this world is, to help people to let go of that guilt. And if there is unresolved business or guilt with someone that's feeling guilty right now because their loved one has passed and they didn't get the time to say, I'm so sorry, please forgive me, please, I'm sorry. It's never too late. We, They are as anxious to heal the, the rift and the grief that's going on with us on the other side. So what we... What we, my guides, what I am advised to help others is sometimes if you are feeling that pain, that dreadful, dreadful pain, I call them letters of closure. I ask my clients to sit and take pen and paper and write, and I have it in my book where after, on the day you died, on the day you, I will never forget the day you died. And you start from there. And you, you, you fill those pages, as many as you want, with the guilt you're feeling, the hurt, the fact you never got to say goodbye, the fact you never got to say I'm sorry, the fact you never said forgive me, I shouldn't have been the, the whatever I was or am. And you write all of that. And you're transferring that, not alone from your logical head, but you're transferring it from your heart onto paper and then when they have that done say please forgive me I love you I am sorry you place your pages in an envelope you can put decorated you can put hearts flowers you can draw on it you can do what you wish and then I advise you sage if you haven't sage use salt salt is a purifier and a transmuter and place it in 
a fire pit if you have one or a fireplace and you it's it's a process where you are placing it into the fire and as we know fire is purification it's also also transmuting the negative and you place it there and you offer it up to your loved one and with all your heart i love you i'm sorry please forgive me and you can do that process as many times over and over again until you feel your heart is shifting and that the pain is lifting and then you find i have happier hours than i have sad ones and then you find i've happier days than i than sad days so that's where that is where the grief starts to heal the grief starts to dissipate and there is a replacement of guilt with love because love never dies love is eternal and like the soul being immortal that love is carried and lived on in on the cross the other side oh well just beautiful advice thank you so much i've got one more question for you <laughs> you spoke before about the sacred contract or I, i'm assuming that means our some people call it a life path or a yes. plan for our life. Do you mind just expanding or explaining that a little bit more for the audience? Okay. So the sacred contract is something that we have decided before we incarnate as a soul on the other side that, okay, I these are the things I didn't master in my previous lifetime. I... I was greedy. I wanted power. I was selfish. I didn't know love. I need to experience love. I need to know what it's like to maybe be hungry because I was a glutton in this previous life. Um, I exercise too much control and authority. I need to learn to be humble. These are all the traits that we need to master because the soul journey is all about what invigorates our soul on this earth how and it's gravitating towards a more loving a more you know sacred union when we reunite with god on the other side saying okay the box is ticked i showed love i showed i i gave generously i I worked with the poor. I stopped controlling another. I gave generously. I stopped being violent. I learned how to be gentle. So when we are on the other side, before we transition from the heavens to the earth plane and and before we occupy a, a body, a shell, this is the shell that houses the soul, we write what we need to master the unfinished business from the previous lifetimes. And we sit with a council of 12 and they are our guides and they will help us to say, well, okay, the last time you ended your life through suicide, this time we will help you. To, you will be presented with the same challenges. You will be presented with the same stresses. But this time we will make sure you have the techniques and the tools to honor your life better in the next life that you're going to before you come on earth so it's like the sacred contract it's like it's like our it's a psychological contract for 
for the want of a better word, but it's sacred because it has been imbued by the spirit guides. It has been approved by God and the angels. And we are given, we come then with this nearly like a, a brief, a portfolio. We come on earth and these are the lessons we need to master. And sometimes a lot of the lessons that we don't master are the ones like losses, experience and losses, like the ones about anger, anger and jealousy. There's a lot of that on the earth right now. Anger, jealousy, resentfulness. Um, you know, there is um, shame and guilt, maybe through a trauma that we need to overcome. So the sacred contract, unfortunately, we forget what we have signed up for when we drop from the heavens through the veil of forgetfulness and enter into the human body. We forget. And it's just as well because when I was going through huge traumatic times many, many years ago, and I remember saying to my guides, next time I'm going to read the small print. You won't catch me out the next time, you know, because it can be very traumatic. And the, those, the, the experiences that hurt us the most are the ones we need to learn most preciously. So that's the sacred contract. But unfortunately, we have gone, as I said, dropped through the veil of forgetfulness and we don't know what we've signed up for. But they do in the heavenly realm. But then our guides, they're where the guides will step in and they will help us to be stronger in a situation where we need to stand in our power. They will obviously help us speak our truth where we have been maybe submitted to silence. They will help us work through an illness if we have lost our way and surrendered to negativity, which can create huge toxic overload within our, within our bodies and where we need to reaffirm that I am happy, I am healthy, I am in charge of my life now. It's like rather than saying, oh, I am so sick, I'll never be able to manage it. You know, so words have creative power. So we need to be careful with our words and what reality we are creating for ourselves as well. On a final note, is there anything, any question I haven't asked you that you'd like to share with the Passion Harvest audience? I suppose for me, it is so important, uh, Louisa, to allow people the space to realise that there is a huge supreme intelligence that overlights all of us in this multi-universe. After all, we're multi-dimensional beings and we live in a multi-dimensional universe. And it is to know that we are never, ever alone. To know that there is a God power that is only asking us to reconnect. And I think, Louisa, what is happening in the world right now because of previous years, people have lost their faith in in our end belief in a God power. Now, God has nothing got to do with religion. Absolutely not. Nothing got to do with religion. It's it's a, a faith and a belief in a supreme intelligence. Even Einstein believed in God. He believed that uh, supreme intelligence overlit this entire universe. So it is so important for people. And what they are asking is, it is like in the Latin, to relegare, to reconnect back to God, to source. And a lot of what's going on on the earth right now is man-made, has been made by man's own 
downfall between power and greed and control. And we were given free will and free choice when we came on earth. The angelic realm oper operates on divine will, but we as humans in the human body have free will. So how we use that is our task, be it for good, be it for not so good. So it's important, I suppose, for me that people would, you know, rather than be angry with a God head, reconnect and ask God or and their angels to guide them, to be with them and just say, look, I don't really know if you're there, but how about just give me a little sign or, you know, I'd like to get to know you again. And, and God would say, well, my number hasn't changed. You know, dial me. <laughs> sit, sit and ask me and, and, and send out that message through the angelic vibes to, you know, to reconnect. And, and I know that is what part of my mission is and my God purpose is to help people to reconnect with the God of all of creation and to know that a loving God is with us and in us and abides within us and loves us beyond words. Oh, well, what a wonderful ambassador you are. <laughs> Mario <laughs> Ford Clark, thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. It's really been an honor. Louisa, I'm full of love and joy and peace. And I just want to thank you for having me on your show. And I want to bless everybody in all your listeners out there with the infinite blessings of God's love and light and bring may peace be in them and around them always. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you liked this episode, please do subscribe for weekly passionate inspirational interviews.